Welcome to the Borgen Podcast, the only English language podcast about fictional Danish politics. On our show, we explore the people, events, and parties that make up the fictional Danish parliament on Borgen. I'm one of your hosts, Amy, coming to you from Istanbul, Turkey, and I am, as always, joined by my good friend and co-host Chantal, who broadcasts from her room with a fabulous view in Toronto, Canada. Now, um, just a word about being located here in Istanbul. Um, it's now about uh, a week after the earthquake that we're recording this, um, that you've probably heard about in the eastern region of Turkey. And uh, it's it's very devastating. The damage is very extensive. I think it's one of the largest natural disasters uh, in the century, actually. And um, schools are closed nationwide. Um, a lot of people are displaced. I think it affects about 13 and a half million people. So just as a, as a basically as a as an immigrant to Turkey, I've been living here for 10 years. Um, I would encourage our listeners to uh, make a disaster relief donation if they're able to, to a reliable agency in their area. And I will also be posting some Turkish NGOs and other Russia organizations that I've checked out that I know are legitimate and um, on our social media and uh, money sent to those groups um, is very easy to do on online and money sent to those groups will be on the ground immediately. And because of the economic crisis that we're experiencing here, um, a little of uh, foreign currency donation goes a long way to helping get people supplies, equipment, and other things that they need for the people who are left homeless. And um, that goes for um, the people in Syria as well. And as, as we know, Syria has been suffering quite a bit in recent times. And there that the region of Syria, like around Aleppo and close to the Turkish border is also very much affected by this earthquake. So any donations to organizations that you're familiar with in your area that can help in Syria and in Turkey would be greatly appreciated. And I would encourage everyone to, to make even a small donation if you can, because a little does go a long way. And if now you that being said- To make a donation, try to spread the word. Yes, absolutely, yes. If uh, If you're not able to financially manage that, which is completely understandable, um, absolutely. You can also like share the links that I'm going to post on our socials and um, yeah, raise awareness as much as possible. Thank you very much to all our listeners. And I'm fine here in Istanbul. Nothing happened here. Um, so life is carrying on if uh, not quite normally, I would say, but it is carrying on. So um, and uh, my condolences to everyone here who's listening, who has suffered losses um in that earthquake because that's going to be quite a few people okay that being said i mean we are here to talk about a tv show which seems kind of trivial but at the same time it's also nice to have something kind of fun to talk about and um that's why we're here this is uh something we set up during the pandemic uh for our own kind of enjoyment and distraction and like there's no reason why we can't keep enjoying ourselves so that's what we're here to do and we're going to begin this uh, particular episode. We've uh, moved on to season three of Borgen. So I'm going to be talking about episode one of season three. And Chantal is going to be talking about episode two of season three. So let's get started. 
in one second. All right. So um, season three, episode one um, opens uh, two and a half years after the end of season two, where Brigitte has resigned and called an election so she can tend to Laura's issues with anxiety. And um, she has become a representative for a pharmaceutical company and a lecturer. And the episode opens with Brigitte giving a talk at what looks like an art gallery, taking questions. And someone asks, you withdrew from politics. If you were, would, if you were PM, what would you do about some financial situation? And she answers, I don't answer hypothetical questions, which is exactly what I would do as PM. Um, then the first real scene we see like after the titles, and this episode is titled A Child of Denmark in Danish. Um, we see Brigitte in Hong Kong. The skyline of Hong Kong dominates the scene and Brigitte has some meetings with an English architect and is in a helicopter. Her outfit when she gets out of the helicopter is a little less buttoned up than when we saw her as prime minister. She has on these fabulous green suede pumps. Actually, I noticed the color immediately. And later in the episode, she wears, she switches back to black. And I'll talk about that when we get there. Um, a gray skirt or a dress, I guess it is, and a black leather jacket with like a, a short collar, which I really like. I'm I'm I, I'm dying about that jacket. I love that jacket. <laughs> and uh, some really nice designer sunglasses. And she's working with this pharmaceutical company building in Hong Kong. And uh, in the next scene, we see her doing some shopping in the Hong Kong market, which looks great, actually. I've never been to Hong Kong, but, and like, you know, it's not really a place I have really thought about going until I saw this episode. And I'm like, that might be cool to go there. <laughs> so um, when she's doing some shopping, she's kind of on the phone. And when she gets back to her hotel, the English architect, Jeremy, is there. And uh, he's there for her. They are romantically involved. And this is a big change from work-driven Brigitte, as we have seen over the previous seasons. And I must say, like, a nice score. Um, I don't know where the casting agents of Borgen find all these super good-looking actors to play the men in Brigitte's life. <laughs> but, like, they can cast my... They could come and work with me. I, I would probably be willing to audition some of their choices. I, that would work out. Um, from the conversation, they have a conversation, they have a dinner, and uh, the viewer gets the idea that things have taken a conservative swing in Denmark politically. Um, Hesselbo is the leader of the mods, and he's working... No, sorry, Kruse is the is the leader of the mods and he's working with Hesabo, who is the PM and things seem to be taking a swing to the right, um, which is kind of interesting because this uh, series came out in 2013 and everywhere, everything is taking a swing to the right, even more so now um, kind of globally. So this was kind of like at the beginning edge of that trend politically, I think. And it's just gotten more severe as we've gone on from that time. Um, so, Yes. Then, um, you know, when we see her back at home, I'm going to talk about Brigitte. Then I'm going to talk about other aspects of the show, like TV one and the media and so on. So I'm going to talk about Brigitte's stuff first, and then I'm going to continue. So 
when we see Brigitte come home again, um, she gives her slightly older kids, still the same actors at this point, um, gifts in a very, very nice modern apartment. Um, all windows and waterfront. And I'm like, I'm like looking at these Danish apartments because we see later on, like we see Casper's apartment, which has a lot of glass as well and like water views. And I'm like, Denmark's in Scandinavia. Like I'm Canadian, Chantal's Canadian. We know what cold weather is like. What kind of windows are they using <laughs> that they can handle having like floor to ceiling glass and Scandinavian Danish winters? Like it snows there. I'm just very curious about this. Anyway, Laura is watching Yule and Fries, uh, which is Casper and Torben's show on TV One on politics. Um, and Laura says she's watching it because her friends think Casper is a hottie. At this point, he has let his hair grow out a bit. It's curly. He's looking a little heavier than he was in the previous seasons. He's not hitting the gym as much. And, uh, also, like, remember, Lauren, he kind of developed a bit of a bond over their issues in the last season. Um, um, it seems obvious that Brigitte and Casper are not working together at this point. We learned that Cruz has taken over the moderates and the party. He seems to be more right wing oriented and less clear in its mandates than how Brigitte was in her time. She's clearly disappointed. And in another speaking engagement we see her at, she says when asked, um, that she wouldn't give up her principles or the Scandinavian open door models that they are used to for a minor deal, minor financial deal. So they're talking about like scrolling back immigration policy and so on. Okay. And when we see Brigitte and Philip at some, at one point further on in the episode, they're friendly like always. Um, but she asks him when uh, we see them together how he would feel if she got back into politics. So it's something that she's thinking about in this episode. And uh, he says he thinks it would help the moderates a lot. They discuss what role she would take an MP in foreign affairs or maybe finance, but not the leadership. Um, so let me go further on to TV1 at this point. Okay. So we see Torben in a meeting with someone about losing viewership. This is, uh, the, the, I guess, the, the head of um, Gregor's, the head of uh, TV1, is talking to Torben about losing viewership. But the higher up, he's happy. He's talking. This guy, Gregor's, is happy with the quality of the programming he's doing. And so uh, is suggesting Torben for a new position, this divisional manager of current affairs department at TV1. So things seem okay for him. He's doing this Yule and Fries, which is him and Casper doing political debates. Um, but later we find out that uh, Gregor's has been sacked uh, due to the low rating problem. And uh, this guy, Alexander Hjort, has come in. And I am not a fan of this particular character. Um, when we meet Alex, he seems young and ambitious and tells Torben, you know, he's a fan of their department, but, you know, there's something going on. There's something fishy going on. Torben's obviously not going to get his promotion. A meeting is later called by Pia to discuss the new management structure and the news at TV1. Hannah is there, Katrina is there, but something, it feels like things are going to change because of management changes. Hannah tells Katrina to skip it and go home and they won't learn anything. And that uh, Katrine should go home to her kid. 
Yes, Katrine has a baby with Casper, and uh, they are not living together, but they are co-parenting. Katrine's mother is there to help her out. Um, and uh, at one point, Katrine's mother says, oh, you two are handling this well, but Katrine looks like maybe she doesn't think her mother believes this, thinks she feels some criticism from her mother about the way she's handling things. Um, and... Um, you know, she's got to think about her career. How is she going to manage balancing this sort of on again, off again relationship with Casper? There's obviously still some tension there, as there usually is, and having a baby and everything else. So Katrine goes home from um, this meeting, um, and uh, it's pretty clear that she's got some frustration. She trips over a cable and snaps at someone. So the criticism from her mom is affecting her. Dealing with late nights, coming home to her kid is affecting her. She's got some new stuff going on in her life. So um, because of that and because of the changes that are happening in TV1 and because of what's happening with politics, with uh, the moderates, um, we find um, Brigitte discussing some ideas with Cruza saying that she wants to get back into politics, that she respects her place and would be, it would be different now that she backs his leadership, but says she won't fit in with the party the way it is, which shows. And, and he says, sorry, that's what he says to her. He says, you won't fit in with the moderates the way it is now. So either he's afraid of being eclipsed by her or he has changed the aims of the party altogether or both. And he outright rejects her request to like rejoin the ranks. So um, Brigitte then talks to Bent about this. And um, Bent says, well, you can contest his leadership at the next party conference. And she's like, oh, that's insane. Um, but in the next scene, she's talking to Katrine. And she says she's going to challenge Carusa, of course, and that she needs a media advisor, a spin doctor. And she says she's asking Katrine because she has different aims and feels Katrine is the right kind of person for this new aspect of her political trajectory. Katrine says, fill me in on why you want to go back into politics. And Brigitte answers, you tell me, you know better than most reporters. And Katrine says, you're disappointed with the cowardly course of the moderates. If they won't even block the Freedom Party, which is the most right-wing party, then what's left? <clears throat> so Katrine will have to make a fast decision. She isn't supposed to discuss it but she calls her mother who doesn't seem to be at home when Katrine comes back uh, and is a bit overwhelmed. Her mother says, don't do it. Uh, don't go back into politics. Don't accept this job, but stick with your TV one job. It's paying the bills. You've got responsibilities, puts a little pressure on her to like stay the course and be a quote unquote responsible adult. So, Next, we see Brigitte, Bent, and Katrine strategizing how they will decide to do this move back into politics and challenge Cruz's leadership. They select Jan um, Berthesen as a first target to, to, to join them, to win support from and support Brigitte for this um, strategic move. But Brigitte says they don't always have the same point of view, but on the whole, they have the same vision for the moderates. And Bent informs her that John, Jan, and Krusa don't get along. They have political clashes from time to time. And then um, 
when Brigitte goes back to Parliament to talk to Jan, Nette meets her at the door and brings her in because the guard won't let her in anymore. She doesn't even have like a hall pass to get in the doors of Parliament, yeah, so even though she's the former PM. Yeah, and I found that hilarious actually that they carded her. They literally carded her and asked her for ID. Like, and it was a young guy working the door. And I'm thinking to myself, do you not recognize who this is? Yeah. Do you work in Parliament and not know who the it former PM is? It was only like two, two or two and a half years ago that yeah. she was the prime minister. So I thought that was actually funny that she got. I her. did too. I thought and that's that was... how we meet Netta. I think she uh, comes to the rescue and brings her upstairs and says she's with me. She's my guest. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they go in, and Netta's actually really happy to meet with her. Um, so uh, Jan explains that there's a lot of apathy in the party. He's happy to hear Brigitte's plan, but he has to think about things because Crusoe has threatened and coerced a lot of the old par party members to follow, like, toe the line and follow him. And Jan gives her a good idea of the amount of support she will get, but it's not quite enough, according to what Bent thinks later. So Bent and Katrine go to work trying to get support from other members of the party even hedging a little when necessary. Cruz has a lot of influence on the old members who supported Brigitte. Katrine says, let's break that support. And this happens by Brigitte going on TV One. She does an interview with Ulrich. She says she's coming back into politics because many Danes aren't being heard. And he asks her if she's a has-been. And it's, she says, it seems her work it hasn't isn't done. There's more left to do. The interview turns things around a bit and gets support, she gets support from a district leader who has a lot of influence. And then in the as far as politics goes, the next scene with politics is a month later at the leadership conference. The media describes Brigitte's return as sensational, and it was clearly not quite expected. Katrine observes that she enjoys a lot of respect in the party, and Bent says she's the greatest politician the party has ever seen, and they know it. Cruza, on the other hand, is feared because of his heavy-handedness about party loyalty. So Brigitte gives one of her killer trademark uh, newborn speeches. And in her speech, she says she's missed everyone and missed working with them, but she doesn't believe that the party should make concessions to the government if it goes against their ideological track by agreeing with the Freedom Party, for example. She doesn't get that much applause. And Torben, who's commenting as the kind of media liaison is commenting on this, he picks up on that and mentions it. Um, Brigitte was the first moderate PM in 50 years, and she ought to have more support, according to him. Uh, Jan gets up and supports her. He gives a speech and says he felt a burst of feeling to see the return of a great statesman. At that point, Cruz leaves the room, apparently to go meet with the PM. His speech is delayed, but a financial deal is reached, and the conference shows this on TV1, which is like planned in advance. Hesselbo is the liberal PM. I, the liberal is PM. And he announces that it was because of Cruz's gold that the agreement to further the economy is reached. Now, in left-right political moves, advancing the economy comes at the expense of social welfare structures in any government. I mean, when does the government ever say we're cutting military spending and taxing corporations and the obscenely rich to advance the economy? Yeah, they, they don't really do that. <laughs> yeah, never. In any case... Uh, that violates the moderates' usual political leanings and values. This is not a typical moderate position at all. Cruza dismisses the agreement with the Freedom Par Party as, like, he says, oh, it, it doesn't matter if we agree with them. It's not important. That's a vague legal detail. 
which seems irresponsible if human rights are part of that, like by closing doors to immigration, it's part of the policy for the economy. That's another thing that economic restraints usually mean. Cruz dismisses these ideas as Brigitte's uh, ideas as a champagne socialist and uh, asks the conference when he comes back to it, who is she going to collaborate with? She won't deal with the right and the left is gasping for air. He says he's delivered results. He calls Brigitte's idea a, a, a dream factory and asks the party to choose that or reality. And then when the vote happens, she needs, I think, 56 to win and it ends up being 51 to 59. So it's very close, okay? So Torben, as he's commenting on this, um, they um, run a, a special episode, Yule and Fries run a special episode. Oh, and at this point I should mention, Katrine takes a leave from TV One to go do this job. Um, so that's why she's able to um, be Brigitte's right-hand woman. So Yule and Fries, they run a special episode on the party conference. Torben asks Casper if he feels nostalgic or a yearning to see her go back into politics. He says it's a showdown, Crusoe versus Nyborg. And then they show her speech. And in the aftermath of her defeat, Torben and Casper discuss it. And Casper says he can't see uh, Newborg, sorry, Newborg, not Nyborg, Newborg, as a rank and file party member. And Casper is so mad off camera. He goes, damn it, I thought she'd make it. And he looks really disappointed. Like he's like on air. He's really calm. He does that Casper like spin doctor thing where he's like, it's a showdown. Let's see what happens. Oh, that was very close. And then off screen, he's like, God damn it. He's so mad. He expresses how I felt. <laughs> and um, then um, right after uh, Torben and Freeze go off the air, um, Alex steps into the scene and tells Torben he'd like to enter into a dialogue, which is a lame corporate BS way of saying, I'd like to talk to you about something important. I hate the way he uses all these kind of corporate speeches. It just, I have a lot to say about Alex as we go into the season. Um, Alex reveals he's all about ratings and the cost of producing a program compared to viewership. This won't be good for Torben. Alex doesn't care about news. He has no interest in it. He wants to know why news is taking up so much programming. And he basically says that like Torben's newscasts are all negative and like doom and gloom. And he wants stories about success and like uplifting stories. And I'm kind of like, dude, do you even know what news is? Um, so anyway, that's where things are going. There's obviously a conflict going to build between the two of the, these two characters. And um Alex kind of makes a veiled threat, like watch out, figure out how to operatings and and figure out how to change the news so that, you know, um, ratings go up, right? So in conclusion, at the very end of the episode, we see Brigitte uh, looking at a disused industrial building space, which housed a former workshop for seamstresses and in the Second World War, a Nazi collaborating locksmith, according to the guy showing it to her. It's large and run down. She wants it, she says, and she's planning something. And the guy says, oh, what are you going to use this space for? Then he takes a phone call. And she says to herself and to the viewer, it will house a new party. 
So that's what her direction and return to politics will be a new party altogether. If the old one has left itself by the wayside, reinvention may be the only way to go. And that's uh, the opener of season three. So kind of a little bit of a setup for how things play out in the next few episodes. Yeah, I mean, you know, seeing this uh, season for the first time come back, season three, it was very exciting to see Brigitta. And one of the things I noted is how free she is. So we see her in Hong Kong, as you say, and I was very excited to see her because, you know, here she is. She's not the PM. What is she up to? What is she doing in Hong Kong? And I love that she can walk around. You know, there's no security. She's free. We see her dressed more casual than she was when yes. she was the PM with, you know, more uh, creative fashion, let's say, not the usual monochrome yeah. stuff. Oh, and the shoes. And the shoes. Yeah. The, yeah. The I mentioned the green. Shoes, right. Yeah, the green suede shoes getting out of the helicopter. And when she they when the camera shows her going to take the podium at the leadership um conference, she's wearing black shoes again. So she's like back in her PM wear <laughs> at that point. That's right. And then in the scenes when we see her at home, she's more relaxed. Like she's helping her kids with the homework. You know, she's following up on them with assignments. We didn't see that much in in the first two seasons when she was PM. And it's yeah, not to course. say that she doesn't care, but it means to say that she now has more time. And yeah. I really like the friendship that Brigitte and Philip have, because I think it's 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 important to still be in each other's lives because yeah. they're also parents to these kids. And they're able to do that. Right. Yeah. Which is admirable. Yeah. And it's something that um, potentially like Brigitte will able to be able to help Katrine with later on, too. Right. Yes, exactly. So that it, that occurred to me as I was watching this episode. I'm like, if they end up working together as Brigitte builds her new party, then that's an aspect of their lives that they're going to have in common. That's you right. Know? Although it is kind of interesting that she switches from um from Casper to Katrine. Like, so why why not get Casper back? But that's my that's one of my questions I had prepared for you. So what do you think of Katrine as a spin doctor? Actually, the for the spin doctor for the revamped Brigitte, I think it's actually a better choice because she's going to need a new perspective. And like Casper, even though Casper and Katrine are like in the same age group, so they're probably, you know, what, like 10 years, I would say 10 years-ish, 15 years-ish younger than Brigitte, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. That's where I would put it as a viewer. Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, Casper, because of his previous experience working in the PM's office, is more kind of old school. And by old school, I mean, like, obviously modern enough to be the PM, like a modern PM, like Brigitte was a groundbreaking PM. But Katrine might offer something fresh, a different perspective a female perspective, a new party perspective. It's different. And she's certainly capable. They both have the same skill set. You know? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think Katrine has the edge over Casper is that she was, is a journalist. She yeah. knows how to package up media strategies and how to play the media. Yeah. Right? She knows things like the technical aspects of how they would time. And we see this maybe in my episode, but we do see it in in these episodes we're going to be recording about how Torben plans very strategically what to release and when. 
even though Alex may not like it. And we're going to touch upon that in these upcoming episodes about Torben versus Alex. But when you work in the media, I feel, and I'm not a journalist, but funny story. I wanted to be a journalist when I was in high school. And I actually did a high school co-op class where I got to work at a a newspaper, actually in our beaches area, Amy, down on Queen Mm -hmm. East. And got to learn everything, you know, that goes to putting together a community newspaper. So I always had that edge. And both Amy and I are English literature majors yeah. in university. So what I'm saying is that um, I think Katrina is an excellent choice for Spin Doctor because she has that insight that Casper doesn't have. Yeah. Although, I mean, now he's in the media, too. I mean, he's a commentator, right? Yes. And he certainly does. You know, they both I think they they do have even though he doesn't have professional experience as far as when who knows what he did before he was a spin doctor. But uh, even though he doesn't have professional experience as a like beat reporter or TV announcer, the way Katrine does, he does certainly know how to make manipulate the media and how to operate press releases and, you know, meetings and all that. So I think, but I think Katrine is just a different perspective and she's a little edgier sometimes than Casper, I think. So we'll, you know, we'll see how it plays out in the second episode, which is yours. Yes. Okay. So uh, let's let's get to it. So it opens up with, as Amy was saying, Brigitte's apartment. We both noted how beautiful it was with these floor to ceiling w- windows and the body of water behind. Uh, it opens with Bent, Brigitte, and Katrine in her living room in Brigitte's living room. It's morning time and Brigitte is wearing glasses and an emerald green top. She's reviewing some recent business expenses that Bent and Katrine have made. And Brigitte is talking to Katrine about her salary and severance pay joining the party. And as I, I always know, I like to know how much people make. Um, so it's a hundred thousand Danish kroner, which actually in, in Canadian dollar a few days ago, when I did the comparison in preparation for this episode is only nineteen thousand dollars six hundred, so nineteen thousand and a half, let's say, which is not a lot of money at all. That is not an like if you lived in Toronto, that is not enough money to pay pay and pay your bills. But then I noted to myself that you know her salary at TV One was high, so she mm-hmm. must be using savings to live off of that with this nineteen and a half thousand a year. So Ulrich comes on the TV. He's reporting for TV One to talk about the deportation laws. The bill is a major part of the financial deal between the government and the moderates and proposes deportation of immigrants found guilty of misdemeanors. Bent thinks that it's appalling for an immigrant to be deported for slapping someone, as an example. Katrina is getting frustrated by Ulrich's technique and that he's not defining what a misdemeanor is on, on camera. She is suggesting from her body language, light exasperation, that this is reporting 101 and something basic, and he should have known to have defined it for the audience. Brigitte goes to TV One in the same clothes as we just saw her in at home, the green top, and her hair is down, and she's looking calm and relaxed. Ulrich starts to talk to her and ask her, did you lose because you've been away from Denmark too much? She responds, actually... Being away has given me a clear perspective on this country, and it's not a pretty picture. And she's referring to the immigration policy. Ulrich says the moderates backed a new deportation bill today. He asked her what she thinks of it, and she says it's a sad day for Denmark. 
people may not be aware that this gives us the right to deport immigrants for mere dis misdemeanors like spitting on the street or slapping somebody. He asks her what she would propose. And she says, I want to make people aware that this is wrong. The bill would never have been passed if the Danes had been asked. One thing I do wish for in, in our democracy is that people have more of a say. Once again, the government is steamrolling a bill down our throat, rushed through like a thief in the night in a very calculated manner. I'm not sure, I'm, sh I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking like this. I just hope that others who share my views will make themselves heard. Ulrich asks her what's next for her. And she said she's going to lead the moderates. She's not going to lead the moderates, she says. And he asks her, well, what about one of the other parties? And she says, no. We open we open with Brigitte in jeans and a top and high heels with her hair back in a loose ponytail. She's in this new space. So we open in the new space in the next scene. And she's on the whiteboard writing. And she's writing the heading party name. At TV One at the table in front of other staff, Torben is telling Ulrich that he would have pressed into Brigitte, Brigitte a bit harder, as if to show Ulrich that he's a junior who does not know and who is not very experienced. And in my opinion, Ulrich needs this because I think he has a little bit of inflated sense of self. And he's definitely not as experienced as Katrine, who would have instinctively have known what to do. Torben tells Alex that she that he should have asked Brigitte what she's going to do. Go back to the corporate sector, et cetera. Alex is seeing hovering, trying to listen to their conversations. Hannah, yes, Hannah, our girl is back. Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more of her in this season. She tells the group that she finds Newborg more interesting now that she's out of politics. The next scene cuts to Alex and Torben, and Alex is giving a dick comment to say, your new anchor at six o'clock looks like the chubby girl at school. Already a dick comment, as if we don't already not like him. Alex tells Torben that it's his top priority to get Katrine back to TV One. At Brigitte's house, she's on the phone telling someone that the flat was spick and span when she moved in, and now it needs a fresh coat of paint. Magnus overhears this conversation, and she reminds Magnus that we may have to give this flat up if she can no longer afford it, so she's checking her options. The doorbell rings and it's Eric Hoffman at the door with flowers for Brigitte. He's from the new right party. He says that he's here as a private individual. He tells her how brave she was and that he was very touched by her interview last night about the deportation bill. He would like to thank her for that, so he brought her these flowers. She reminds him that he voted in favor of it and, she, and he reminds uh, hit her that he's the deputy leader. You know the drill, he tells her. She goes to put the flowers away on her computer and the computer starts ringing with a call. It's Jeremy calling her from the Frankfurt airport. He's asking, calling to ask if they can meet up so that they can eat properly together. And he has to be in Helsinki for work and he could stop over in Copenhagen. He notices that she's kind of aloof and he asks her what's going on. And she says, big decisions. And he says, well, take your time. And in the meantime, they can share a continental breakfast over the video call. The next scene, Katrine is on a bicycle and she gets called out by Alex who is riding behind her. He tells her that can't wait to get, get her back. And she says that Torben has left a message and uh, Alex then invites her out for a glass of wine. 
And she said she can't and she's in a hurry. So she'll have, so he asked her for a rain check. The next scene, Brigitte is showing Katrine around the office space, the new office space, which is in pretty rough condition. Katrine reads the board, uh, as we saw a little bit earlier when Brigitte was writing, you know, the party name heading. And she figures out that Brigitte is going to start a new party. And Brigitte nods her head and says, yes, the moderates are right wings now. Katrina says, yes, you want the decent the decent moderates. Brigitte says, no, she wants to reach out to the Danes. Brigitte asks Katrine for her honest opinion. And Katrina, Katrine says, it's been quite a while since you charmed the since you've charmed the public and led the moderates to a landslide victory. Brigitte asks her or tells her, asks her, have I lost my popular appeal? And Katrine says, I would hide your expensive watch. You're out of touch with the people. You want to engage and, and uh, not mince your words. Uh, she, she asks Katrine, can I get a party up and running? And Katrine says, if you have the right people behind you. So next we see Katrine going home to her condo and, and Katrine tells her mom with great excitement what's happening, that Brigitte is going to form the new party and that she, Katrine, is going to be a part of it and that she'll manage regarding the money. And the mom reminds her that she's behind on her condo fees and that Casper and Gustav, that's their, their baby together, Katrine and Casper, their child is Gustav, will be over for dinner tomorrow. And in the next scene, as, Amy, as Amy said, they're co-parenting. Um, in the next scene, we're at TV One and Alex comes to see Torben. He's eating an apple and walking. He's wearing a white button-up shirt, which does not look iron, and it's not tucked in, but he has a blazer on. And he tells Torben that the management is discussing Torben's meta-narrative here at TV One. He tells Torben, you have a tendency to focus on people who have failed. Yesterday, you ran a negative story on the deportation of three immigrant boys whereas TV2 focused on Hesselbo getting his bill passed, a success. Torben tells him, but it's irrelevant to talk, to tell the public about the victims of the bill. He says, he, no, he says, but it is relevant to tell the public about the victims of the bill. He says, it's not about politics. And he asks um, Alex, any word from Katrine? Torben says no. And he, he's, um, he said he's talked to Katrine, left a message. And that he thinks that Katrina is very interested. So Torben questions him and asks him if he's talked, to, if he has talked to Katrina and he's nodded yes. And Torben is not happy and asks him, I am the head or tells him, I am the head of the news division, am I not? Alex nods. Torben says, So I hire and fire people, but it's going to be difficult if management interferes with my work. And Alex says, No offense taken and walks out of Torben's office. Next scene, Katrine is listening to TV One News and Simon is asking Hesselbo, the PM, uh, about the immigration bill, asking him if the bill is not borderline a breach of human rights. Hesselbo says that it's about a public sense of justice. We have a lot of problems with our young immigrants. We welcome the well-integrated, but the rotten apples. His voice trails off as Katrine gets a knock on the front door. In the next scene, Torben is at Katrine's door. He comes to suss out if Katrine is going to come back. He says he understands that she's getting offers from other places because she's one hell of a reporter. He's here to enter into a dialogue with her and maybe offer her a small raise and that he's eager to negotiate with her. He says that he just wants her back. 
Katrine runs into Bent at Parliament in the next scene and mentions the new party. Bent did not previously know about it because Brigitte didn't tell him yet. So he's hearing about this from Katrine, not from Brigitte. And Bent says he is not happy. She can't be serious, he says. Katrine comes back to the office space and tells Brigitte that she ran into Bent at Parliament and told him because she thought Brigitte already told Bent. And Brigitte's surprised, but says that Bent just cel- at Bent's reaction that he wasn't happy, but realizes that Bent just celebrated 40 years of the moderates and that Cruz may be derailed him, may have derailed him, but Bent is still part of the moderates. Katrine tells Brigitte that she wasn't thinking when she saw Bent and Brigitte tells Katrine what being a member of a party entails. I am betraying the moderates now. That's how Bent sees it. I want him myself when the time was right. I wanted to tell him myself when the time was right. Brigitte says she wants his blessing and he will come around. The phone rings and it's Bent asking to meet Brigitte. So Bent and Brigitte meet. They're outdoors. He tells her that she saw him. He tells her that that she saw him the other day. And why didn't she tell him the news? I know we lost but give us some time to regroup. You intend to form a new party. Brigitte, that's insane. You are a former moderate prime minister. She says, I don't condone our policy anymore. He says, influence comes at its price. You paid the price as PM. She says, I never compromised human rights, nor our party's fundamental principles. The moderates are instrumental in getting disagreeable bills passed, which gives us the right to kick people out. For Mr. Which will give people give us the right to kick people out for misdemeanors. Ben says, you don't abandon a ship at the first gust of wind. This is your party. She says, I am loyal to the idea, but not the institution. She asks him, I'm loyal to the ideas, but not the institution. She asks him how he can support Cruz. And he, he says that the moderates have been through many difficult leaders, but you hang in and fight for fight the good fight. She tells him that she's traveled so much after the change of government and that she couldn't stand being here in Denmark anymore, knowing that what was happening in the country and she didn't have any influence. So she's suggesting she took all these international jobs to get out and have a break um, because she knew she would have been powerless without being the PM and she doesn't like what's going on. So Bent says, Brigitte, I implore you not to do this. Are you listening to me? This is serious. She says, I have to do this. The ball is rolling. And he says, in that case, I am no longer your friend. And he walks away. Back at the office, Brigitte tells Katrine that Bent is taking this personally. She's asking Katrine if she is doing the right thing by being unfaithful. And they have to be very careful about whom they approach. This is going to be a bombshell, says Brigitte. She wants to know what Katrine that Katrine is with her. Katrine looks into her eyes and says, I'm with you all the way. The next scene is at Katrine's place and she's she's prepared dinner. Casper comes over and says that he heard Brigitte has uh, and her have been forming a new party. And she panics, thinking that she heard it from the that he heard it from the press. But he tells her, no, I heard it from your mother. He is reluctant to stay to have a glass of wine and things become awkward and strange. She tells him it's just a glass of wine she's poured for him. He tells her that he knows that the experts say that it's uh, best for Gustav's parents or the child of parents um, to, to get along. And he puts the wine down and says that he but he'd rather take uh, Gustav to his place because they're sharing they're sharing custody. 
The next scene, Katrina's at TV one and it said night. She's there to see Torben, but he's left for the day. But she runs into Alex, who reminds her that she owes him a glass of wine. So they head out together at the bar because now she doesn't have the baby. Casper took the baby, so she's she's free for the night. So she goes out with Alex. They have some drinks. He takes her hand and uh, kisses her on the lips at the bar, and she allows it. The next scene, Katrina's bringing Alex home, and they hook up on the living room mat where the child's toys are. Um, so and inappropriate. I think, I think it is so inappropriate. I also yeah. say, I think it is so lame that she hooked up with this guy. She yeah, he sucks. better to do this. He sucks. And he's, he's, but the implications, right? The pro- professional implications. Yeah. Surely he, he knows, she knows who he is at TV One. Yeah, and of course. Need to hook up with this guy. Right. Exactly. And like all of the time that Casper was the PM spin doctor and she was a journalist, even that was a like not really a great thing to do. They managed it fine, but like this guy's just a cheese ball. He is a cheese. Did ball, you notice but... when yeah. Torben comes to talk to Katrine? He's like, I'd like to enter into a dialogue with you. So he starts copying alex's corporate speech it's really weird yes it's really i do notice that he starts to copy alex's corporate speech exactly but you know so as, as a woman <laughs> i'm so disappointed in katrine because she doesn't need any favors like bedroom no. favors. she is top notch everyone wants her so why would you dirty yourself to go with a guy like that i know it is a really nice bar though i like that bar like if i lived in copenhagen i would go hang out there Yes, we we should go there and we can plan the podcast. Yeah, for <laughs> some drinks and some nice music, it's an it'll be a nice change of scene. Yeah, so, seriously. Alex wakes up at Katrine's condo and he seems content and happy to be there. Not sure if she shares that enthusiasm, as the wheels are probably turning in her head of what happened last night. And the next scene, Brigitte and Philip are outdoors talking over coffee. She tells him that Eric Hoffman came to see her after her interview with TV One and that um, Eric's told Brigitte that 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 she had said some brave things. And Philip tells her that he knows Eric from the Copenhagen Business School. And Philip says that Eric taught courses in law and that he was great and very conscientious, loyal and correct. Philip says that Eric is married to a woman from Ethiopia who is a lawyer and who worked in London, but still had to fight to get residence, uh, permanent residence in Denmark. Uh, and he said that he was so desperate that that he, Eric, almost moved to Mel- Melmu. Uh, Brigitte asked Melmu to bypass a set of laws he helped pass. And Philip says, Philip says he's kept that quiet and that... Um, uh, she she tells she then tells Philip that she's going to start a new party and Philip is surprised and he says a new party and she nods and and uh, she says a, a political one a new centrist party. Uh, she looks at he looks at her laughing shaking his head and tells her she's nuts. Then the penny drops and he says I see so you need Eric to make your project palatable to the palatable to the right and then he starts laughing and says this is going to kill Cruz. <laughs> they both start laughing and philip tells her that's why she's been so upbeat lately and gives her a kiss on the cheek so i again as you talked about in your episode just now like i really like their friendship because i think it's important to both of them yeah and the way like yeah before she even makes a move 
to like get back into politics, she like checks in with him. Like, what would, would this be okay with you? Like, what do you think about that? And also I think Philip realizes like at this point, can he stop her? No. So he might as well support her, you know? So uh, I really like that too. And I like the way that they kind of joke around and I really like Eric's character. I think Eric's character is a really key figure. I think his storyline is very interesting. Yes. We, we will see more that. about Eric uh, later yeah. on. Um, so in the next scene, Brigitte is meeting with 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 Eric because, as we know, the show never wastes time and cuts right to the chase. And he tells her, "The new right is my party." And she tells him, "You've you've only you're only bound by your beliefs. You're only bound by your beliefs. It's your constitutional right, and you swore to uphold the constitution." He tells her that it's very brave, and that she approached him, but she's not. She, that, but he's going to have to turn her down. And he asks her to keep this conversation between them a secret. Because, uh, of course, mm -hmm. he he realizes that would be very controversial had that gotten out, right, that he's having these discussions with her. Um, at Parliament, Katrine goes to see uh, Nide. I think that's how you pronounce the name, Nide. And he tells her that Brigitte Newborg is going to start a new party and asks her if she's interested in, in learning more. And Nita gets wide-eyed with great enthusiasm and says, count me in. The next scene, because we all love how fast the show moves, Katrina and Nide go to Brigitte's new headquarters. Brigitte invites her to come sit down, tells Nide that she's the first MP to visit them. Nide seems to be really bright-eyed and enthusiastic to be there. She clearly has great respect for Brigitte and is in awe of her. She tells Brigitte that she has not told a soul about this, not even her dog. Brigitte tells her that she can start by leaving the moderates to become an independent. Nide tells Brigitte that she does not owe them a thing and that Cruz put her on ice after the convention. She says, still, if I keep going to meetings, we'll, we'll, we'll know what's going on. Brigitte tells her, Brigitte tells Nide that they approached John Berlson. I butchered that probably, Berlson. But I don't know if he's in, uh, says Brigitte. Nide says it's good because John can't be trusted. So it's interesting that already from the get-go, we know that Nide and John, Jan don't um, get along or, or she doesn't respect him, right? Yeah. Y'all are going to, y'all, we're not American. <laughs> um, people are going to have to forgive our pronunciation. It's not always very easy in listening, at least for me, to hear Danish names. And I have a tendency, I think, to pronounce Danish words like German because I've studied German and I, there's a lot of similarities between German and Danish. I think it's maybe Nette, but I don't know if that's correct or not. So if anyone would like to tell us how to pronounce this gorgeous red-haired character's name, feel free to do so because obviously we need help. Yes. Okay? So sorry. So she says to to Brigitte with respect Brigitte with respect if you take him in Jan is going to undermine you. He'll take over the party within a year. Brigitte looks interesting, at Katrina interesting. And, interesting. Interesting she's saying those things about betrayal, isn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Brigitte looks at Katrine and tells Katrine let's forget about him for now then. But we know that she's not going to really forget about him that he will yeah. join eventually. So um Talking about Philip and how much we like Philip, there's now a knock on the door and it's some delivery guys. Philip has donated some and sent over some surplus furniture from his bank. So we now know that yes. Philip has worked, made it in a bank now. He's that's where he works. And I thought it was very sweet 
that he decided mm-hmm. to send some things over for Brigitte to help her out, you know? It's so, probably a tax write-off too, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so over at TV One, Alex is listening in on Torben and Pia talking about the TV lineup. And Pia is asking if Katrina's coming back. Alex jumps in and says he talked to Katrine and he doubts whether she's coming back. Uh, and that he didn't mean to interfere with your firing and hiring work, Torben. So you could see him being a bit snippy, right? So Torben looks at Alex suspiciously and says, you saw her privately? To which Alex looks cocky and says, it was quite private. Oh, he's so gross. He's so gross. I, I mean, the guys, at, <laughs> the guys at TV One have a tendency to be gross anyway. Like, they make all these really dumb sexist comments about women's appearances and like, behavior and like you know all these different things that happen like fairly regularly and i find it i find it kind of disheartening and kind of also it it kind of broke my idealistic view of scandinavian culture where like clearly because they're so socially progressive that stuff must not exist right of course it exists who are who who, of course it does where there's men there's sexism sorry but that's and people are going to come at me for that. I know you're going to come at me. And it's we would true. Like I'm to, sorry to say not all men. Ha- yeah. Hashtag men. not all men. Hashtag yeah, yeah, not yeah. all men. There you go. Of course, not all men, but like quite a few of them say stuff without realizing it sometimes, I think. That's right. But, uh, and that gets into what we're going to be talking about in our next uh, recording. But let me just yes. finish up here and say that and it's called microaggressions. And we will yes. talk about that in the next recording. Um, so Alex says it was quite private. Then Alex's phone rings and he has to go. Han comes and uh, up to Torben to talk about work stuff. And without responding to her or acknowledging Han walking in the room, he says to Han that he slept with her. Han does not believe Torben and doubts what he is saying. And Torben tells her the head of programming can't sleep with a former employee. Mm-hmm. So Han tells, asks Torben if Katrina is coming back. And Han asks aloud what Brigitte and, Katri- Brigitte and Katrina are up to <coughs> and says that this, that she's going to call Katrine. Torben takes his glasses off and rubs his eyes and looks exasperated and fed up. Um, which makes me laugh. I think Torben is quite expressive. You know, he's always got these great lines or he's frustrated and he's very animated sometimes, which I like. Yes, yes. I really like the way the actor who plays him uh, shows his personality traits, actually. Um, I think he's really skilled at the physical aspect of showing that character's point of view and thoughts and stuff. It's really, he, he's, he does a really good job. Yes, and it goes to what we said in the last um, episode we recorded about how he's not relaxed. Yes, never. <laughs> and like, you know, being very animated and angry sometimes, which is funny. So the yeah. next scene is Katrine coming home <clears throat> with Gustav. Her mother notes that Katrine had company in the bedroom and asked if it was Casper. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I know, which is like so inappropriate. Cringe. Yeah, it's so mm-hmm. cringy. Hashtag cringe. So Katrine does not answer that, but instead she tells the mother off for the mother telling Casper that Brigitte is starting a party and that Katrine is joining it. The mother is aloof and says that he is Gustav's father. 
completely dismissing or not understanding the professional implications of telling Casper this and not realizing he knows everyone in Parliament and he's doing the Yule and Free show and he can't know what's going on. The mother says she thought Katrine confided in Casper and she, Katrine tells the mother, when I confide in you, don't go blabbing to anyone. She tells the mother she does not understand how important this is. Later that night, Katrine has TV One turned on to the Yulin Free show, and they're talking about the deportation bill and that um, the bill has been met with heavy criticism and that they call it a legal mess. Casper says that, quote, the government doesn't want a drawn out debate over this bill because it's been rushed through. They aren't very proud of it, hence the short consulting procedure. But they have the majority, Torben said, and Torben says, as moderates delivered the deciding votes. Uh, is it is the old culture radical party of intellectuals divided? Casper says, absolutely. The moderates refuse to take part in the vote. Is the new wing forming within the party after Newborg failed leadership election? Newborg's failed leadership election, asked Torben. Casper says, I don't think so. Cruz has silenced the critics. Torben asks, what is Newborg up to? Is she pulling the strings somewhere? And Casper answers, I'm not sure if Brigitte Newborg has left the political arena. And Katrine smiles at this moment because she knows that Casper is using tact and discretion and is not going to out this personal news that the mother told him um, about Brigitte starting the new party. Yeah, he's absolutely. Keeping it under wraps, which I really respect in Casper. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. And that's that's why he was such a great spin doctor, too, because like he knew when to keep his yap shut. And Katrine and him have this history of being, you know, journo and spin doctor to the PM. And, you know, they have a, a tacit agreement that uh, certain information won't be made public when it's not appropriate to make it so. And of course, he follows that, of course, instinctually. Yes, you know, it's not I like guess. he she didn't have to tell him, like, don't say this. He knows not to say it. He knows. He knows as a professional, but also as a friend, he knows not to yeah. do the, right, the wrong thing. Right. So yeah, because he knows he knows Brigitte almost as well as he knows Katrine in some ways. Yeah, that's right. It was a very intimate working relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, they Definitely. knew each other in and out. Right. There's no way not to. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I mean, there's nothing ever in this in this uh, episode or, or season, I don't think that shows Casper not respecting Brigitte. Absolutely. Never. never. He never disrespects her. Yeah. Or, or not that I can think of, at least in the first half of the season. Few least, episodes. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the next scene is a beautiful sweeping view of her home, Brigitte's home, and she's home in an apron and she's uh, in the kitchen cooking dinner, which we never saw her do in episode one and or season one, season two. Yeah. There's a knock on the door and she looks surprised. She goes to answer the door. It's Eric Hoffman. He comes in uh, to sit down on the couch and says, I sincerely believed we had to tighten immigration laws, particularly after the irresponsible policies pursued by labor in one minority government mm -hmm. after the other in the 90s. People crossed out borders, crossed our borders in hordes. We couldn't afford it, neither economically, socially, or culturally. We were peasants. We still are. But it just happens. You don't notice the constant tightening of the laws until finally we forget that the legislation is us. We are the law. The law is us. 
I started to read the bills I helped pass. I couldn't see myself in them. And this was a problem. My wife is black. We have a son, Emil. My wife won't let him wear a hoodie. She doesn't want him to look like an immigrant kid from the projects. Why can't he wear one when all the other boys can? It's hard to explain to him that different rules apply to him because he, he is, he is black. Yeah, exactly. To top it off, I helped pass this new bill, a law in which my own son might indirectly become a victim of, which is ironic, right? Yeah. And I like how he admits like he is at fault. Yeah. And I I think that happens a lot, actually. Um, I think people who are in positions of power will follow the line that their bosses tell them to follow without thinking about the real world implications of that, even when the real world is in their own house. I mean, this happens over and over and over again. I know, I know. know. And then I guess the pressure of, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to quit your party? It's a lot of pressure, right? If you're, if the leaders are taking a different turn that now become um, contrary to what your morals and beliefs and what do you do? Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm I'm assuming that like I would assume that votes on bills in parliaments are confidential like it doesn't show which individual member voted for which bill but I I don't know that for sure because I'm not a, I'm not a politician um and it may be different in different parliaments too but it would be it would be really something to have to be confronted with a bill like that I think as if if I was in that position I probably would say something but I have a tendency to say things that I shouldn't, <laughs> you know, I'm a little on the Hannah Holm side of things more yeah. than the Eric side of things when it yeah. comes to like self-expression, shall we say? Yeah. And I'm, I'm there too on the team, team Hannah side. I yeah. Agree. Yeah. So she comes, Brigitte comes back after going to make Eric a tea and says at this early stage, we're a majority of former moderates, I'd like to stress that everyone is equal around the table as uh, she's saying that Jan comes into the office and Brigitte greets him warmly with a hug. She tells Jan that she did not think he was interested and he said he figured that he would hear her out. Brigitte tells the group that they need to define the key issues and we need a member from the left and she looks at Nita. Brigitte's phone rings and she tells she tells them that she needs to take the call. So the next scene, Brigitte uh, is at party headquarters and she's preparing coffee and pastries for two. She smiles as Bent calls her out from the front door. She smiles, but the smile swiftly fades from her face when she realizes that Bent has invited Cruz to their breakfast meeting. Uh-huh. Bent says to her, Brigitte, we want to share some thoughts with you. Cruz makes a negative comment to say, as he looks around, this is a far cry from the PM's office. She looks at Bent and tells him, couldn't we have met somewhere else as if to imply, why did you bring Cruz to her private secret space? She goes into the kitchen alone. So she's, she's there alone. We see her alone. And we could see that she's a bit rattled as the wheels are turning in her head of what this means. Why is Cruz there? And what she should say and do next. Uh, and Cruz and Bent are outside in the main office. And she puts a smile on her face and heads back out. They all help themselves to seats at the table. And she's stuck taking a lower seat, looking smaller as compared to them. Cruz starts out by telling her, it is my duty as party leader to heal the wounds after the convention. She interrupts him and says, you come to give me your blessing? 
He says, I come to offer you a seat. The seat you asked me for, you're an obvious candidate for the moderates, as he chuckles. Bent looks over at her and says, there's more. Jacob wants to make you the deputy leader. And she looks at Cruz and says, are we talking a shared leadership? And he says, a shared leadership with one boss. Ben says, we're sort of, we'll sort out the particulars, but I'm sure you can understand that this will put the moderates in a strong position. Awkward silence. And Ben says, come home. Rikita says yeah. that she's no, this is no longer her home and that the party she once joined um, the past few years, these developments have undermined the moderate project, she says. She looks at Cruz and Cruz scoffs. And she continues, the most viewed video is one of you shaking Hasselbo's hand. The moderates have turned into a right-wing supporting party. You, Your offer implies me supporting your line, and the answer is no. Cruz says, though, this settles it then. And he stands up and says, I hope you realize that since we no longer can work together, that makes us opponents. There is no middle ground in the current political landscape. I'm going to fight you tooth and nail, Brigitte, as he walks out. Bent remains and says her name. She interrupts him and says to him, you will have my resignation within the hour. I am no longer a member. And he stands up and leaves. Brigitte calls Katrine and tells Katrine to round up the troops and that we need to draft a press release and call a press conference tomorrow and that the brainstorming with the team, and after some brainstorming with the team, they decide to come up with the name, the New Democrats. Yeah, which is really funny as a Canadian because we have a party called the New Democrats, who are a slightly left, perceived as being left wing, you know, by like most people. But I, I to me, like they're not super, super left. They're not Bolsheviks or anything. But like, <laughs> uh, it's really funny to see like, oh, the new Democrats, are there, is their color going to be orange? <laughs> yes, because that's what our party is here. <laughs> yeah, that's the new Democratic that's, Party, the NDPs. Yeah, that's right. So we're very used to this party name. Like it's totally familiar to us as Canadians. Yes, but we always call it NDP. They always say yeah. New Democrats, New Democrats. New. They don't say NDP. So yeah, say they NDP. don't say NDP. Democrats. In my notes, I say I have New Dems written down instead of NDP because NDP is too Canadian. Too Canadian. <laughs> that's right. And we're covering this Danish show. Yeah. Um, so the next scene, Pia is walking into the room, telling people to gather around that Newborg is starting a party, forming a new party. And Pia seems to have a more dominant role in this season, uh, which is nice. Uh, and we will see her more later this season with her own story. And we will also see her in Power and Glory, which is which is great. Yeah. And I like that in this scene, she's taking charge uh, like this with the team. And she's got a lot of ex excellent experience and insight. And, and she is totally deserving to lead the team like this. Um, she's not she is she is a director of the. Uh, uh, yeah, she's a director, director yeah. of the newsroom. Yeah, I But think. I like seeing more of her. So she yes. says um, the phone rings now. Sorry, the phone rings. And it's Katrine calling Hand to tell Hand that it's true. Brigitte is forming a new party and there will be a press release soon. And that she is the new media advisor for Brigitte. Ulrich is being pushy and out of his league as usual, and he's telling, trying to force Torben to release this news today. And Torben says, "No, they they don't know all the specifics yet." And I agree with Torben that it's and it's always like Torben, even though he could be a bit of a dick sometimes. That we've established in previous episodes yeah. that he's very thorough, right? He's not going to yes. release nonsense or piecemeal information. Yeah, you know he I mean? wants a proper story. He yeah, wants yeah. a proper story, exactly. And Ulrich says out loud to everyone that I want an exclusive with Brigitte Newborg tomorrow night in the studio, which I thought was so arrogant. You don't, you know. Yeah. Anyways, 
Katrine goes, we're almost at the end. Then Katrine goes home to her place. It's raining outside and she's soaked. It's nighttime and it's late. She goes for a bowl of cereal and her mom is telling her that Katrine does not seem to realize that she, she has a young child and she has to understand that she can't live the same life now as she did before having a child. And Katrine gets mad and tells the mother that, uh, you know, you watch me like a hawk. It's totally erratic and out of line. The mother responds by saying, I'm trying to help you because you foc your focus is everywhere else. And Katrine gets even more mad. We don't see Katrine ever really get mad, but she gets mad yeah. here. And she bangs the table with her fist and she yells, no, I do things my way. I won't make apologies for my career. The mother says, yeah. Nobody is saying that you should be a housewife. Just get your priorities straight. It's hard for you to behave. It's hard for you to behave like a mother because you're like a child inside. And Katrine tells her calmly to go home and thanks her for her help and that her and Gustav will manage from now on. So yeah, the next I thought day, that was so harsh. <laughs> I thought it was harsh too, you know, and the next day she's on her own with Gustav and we could see her immediately struggling to cope, right? She packs yeah. the baby into the stroller. She's walking briskly through the halls of parliament you know, like a crazed person, like she's going to run everyone, anyone down that comes into her way. Um, but today is the day of the press conference. And this is where Brigitte will formally announce a new party and Torben and Han are being interviewed by Ulrich live on TV just before it starts. And Han is saying that the, in the press conference that they they just moved to a bigger press conference room um, mm -hmm. because there are tons of reporter filing the halls and there's massive interest in this story. And Ulrich comments that this is quite a sensation of what's going on when a former PM does this. And they're waiting with great anticipation to see what's going to happen. And we all can't wait to hear the reaction. So now the press conference is about to start or, or start in a few minutes. And we see Brigitte very poised. And she's got this black suit on with a blouse with ruffles buttoned up to the top. And her hair is down. She's looking relaxed. Eric comes in to see her. And he's in a bit of a panic because he has just compose his resignation to the party but he's having trouble sending it and she smiles and looks him square in the eyes with confidence and steadiness and she says you can eric we are making this news official in a few minutes and that will make things a lot easier just press send now yep. she says that and she's she has a firm tone she's looking at him in the eyes and he tells her i'm sorry and this is literally 10 seconds before they're about to yeah. go out right to make the press conference yep so Brigitte, Jan, Neda, and Katrine go out to greet the press. Brigitte does not let the conversation with Eric a few seconds ago rattle her. She comes out confidently with a big smile for everyone. Katrine takes the mic and says hello to everyone and starts asking Brigitte questions. Um, welcome to the first press conference by the New Democratic Party. Brigitte Newborg, why have you formed a new party? Brigitte answers, because I'm deeply proud of what we've achieved in this country when we are at our very best and because I can't keep my mouth shut and the room chuckles, <laughs> yeah. I can't help questioning the Denmark I am seeing. Are we inhospitable? Are we bigoted? Are we arrogant, devoid of solidarity? Is that us as Danes, as people? The answer is a resounding no. And you ask the new Democrats, if you ask the new Democrats. But then there is this there is the picture parts of our legislator that late legislature that paints us the message we send to the world and to each other. We want to restore our pride in being Danish, all of us. The room opens up for questions and Hannah Holm asks, you didn't make the moderate leader. Is there, is it an indication that your days in politics are over? Brigitte smiles and says the only bad, only bad politicians give up when they don't have their policies through, when they don't get their policies through. 
I know the media doesn't understand idealism, but at the core of this is a desire to change the world. Hannah asks another question. You look like a gang of ex-moderates no one wants to play with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's straight to the point with no frills. I love it. So someone shouts and asks if they were sore losers. And Brigitte says, no, we've teamed up because we want to voice the. And she stops because at that point, Eric comes out and he's accompanied with his wife. The wife goes to sit off to the side and she says, let me introduce Eric Hoffman, the former deputy leader of the new right. He walks out and he takes a seat at the table with the rest of New Democrats. Eric addresses the press by saying, less than two minutes ago, I resigned from the new right, which I have been a member of for 27 years. It is no easy task for me nor others to leave our parties when we've been members of since we are young, of members of since we were young. Our agenda is not a petty one. We believe serious changes needed, he says firmly. I had enough when I was asked to vote in favor of a bill enabling Danish judges in this country based on the rule of law to deport citizens for the smallest misdemeanors. I can't be a part of that. Brigitte takes over and says, laws on which the Danish society is built. We are now passing more and more bills that border alarmingly on breaches breaching the constitution and human rights bills Mm -hmm. that are the waste product of political horse trades they're rushed through because they're too shameful to discuss people don't get to have their say they're not just shoddy it's undecidingly undemocratic undemocratic democracy is a dialogue and the dialogue is fading away the new democrats are going to fight to reopen the conversation so the press conference is done. Torben goes to find Katrine to tell her congratulations on your new job. You did great. She thanks him warmly. And Torben says to her, we'd like to extend an interview to Newborg at 830 tonight. And she says they can't. And he's a bit taken aback and asks her why not. And she says, well, we gave TV2 the first exclusive. And it must appear that we are not only friends with TV1. Mm-hmm. And he stares at her and he says, you certainly have one friend at TV One, Alex Hjort. She stares at him and says back, you're out of line. He says she really disappoints him by giving TV Two that tiny bit of loyalty. And it would have been nice to tell that if um, he told her instead, she stabbed him in the back. The scene switches to Brigitte coming into the room to find Bent sitting there. And he says, your greatest political achievements have been with me by your side she nods and says i know and he says he wants her to let him join her party and she nods and smiles true friendship no hard feelings or judges and now we're towards the very final scenes now and alex it's with alex and torben and alex comes in to ask torben why did tv2 get the exclusive of newborg her media advisor is yeah, one of your successful story yeah that's right <laughs> And this makes Torben feel uncomfortable. And he tells Alex, you're closer to Katrine than I am. Alex points out the narrative that the last time we saw Brigitte Newborg in TV1, she was a loser. And here's a winner, Brigitte Newborg, and TV2 is getting the successful interview. We've got a problem if you keep handing me loser stories. So the last scene now we see... So weird. weird. The last scene now we see uh, Brigitte is is Brigitte knocking on Jeremy's door and she greets him warmly with a kiss. He's in Copenhagen and it's the perfect ending to the show and to her day or days that she had. Um, 
she had a great day at Parliament today, and now she's going to be spending some time with Jeremy. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah, interesting moves. I, I'm when I first saw this season, I was so excited that they had a new party starting. Um, ob- well, obviously, I knew something was going to happen, and it's really interesting to see how it develops as far as like Eric, the character of Eric. I mean, his wife is an Ethiopian human rights lawyer. She was born in Ethiopia. She's obviously a Danish citizen at this point. So for someone on the right, I think she's a human rights lawyer. Maybe she's just a lawyer lawyer. I can't remember. I can't remember. She's definitely a lawyer, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, And so it's like, maybe I'm confusing her with um, Amala Clooney. Like, (laughs) You know, <laughs> she's a human rights lawyer. Um, so the um, the fact that a right wing politician would even marry someone who's African origin is really interesting. What an interesting character. And he just like towed the line of the right. But then again, as we've seen in real life, the right has become more and more right over the past few years and like maybe decade or so so even on fictional politics things are shifting too far to the right for some right wingers so it's kind of interesting to see this develop and uh to see this little band of core members form this new party it's really interesting yeah and it's interesting to see the corporate the rise of this corporate like tech bro speak that is bubbling up in tv1 from alex it's a very interesting yeah, and, and how we see Torben adopting that, right? Yeah, I'd like, like to, to uh, take... have a dialogue with you, Chantal, about uh, next episode. <laughs> I'd be like, who who abducted Amy? Who talks I'm like that? Speaking like this, you know? Yeah, if I ever say enter into a dialogue, you'll know, like, my brain's been taken over by aliens yes, or whatever. By, by Alex Hjort. Yeah. So but... um, you want to open up for, for some discussion now about uh, sure. this episode? So what did you think about this new Katrine of how she is, you know, a mom and she's trying to juggle everything? And what do you think of the role of her mother? Because in previous seasons, we 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 saw the mother in glimpses before, but not yeah. as a character. So what do you think about that dynamic? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, it was, her mom's kind of harsh to her. Like, I don't think it's really fair to say that Katrine sees herself as like a child when she's trying to advance her career. I think that's kind of nonsense. Um, and a really low blow, actually. And because it's like, well, anybody who's kind of a more or less single parent most of the time, right? I mean, yes, her and she she and, and Casper are sharing responsibility for Gustav, but like they're not living together. It's not like there's somebody at home to like deal with things when you're going to be running late. But when you're in working in media, sometimes you're going to be late. Like that's just the way it is. So but also like because of that harsh criticism like oh you're acting like a child you can't decide what it is you want or what your focus is and Katrine's just like fine get out then I'll deal with it by myself I thought that was kind of a powerful thing to say and like um an important thing for her to say because she is going to handle it on her own of course she is like I didn't I didn't feel that uh her mom was right in saying that. I did. I thought it was very unfair. So and I, Katrine is perfectly capable of dealing with things on her I, own. I take a slightly different uh, approach than you, and mm-hmm. it's to play the devil's advocate a bit. And I, I, 
I understand where the mom is coming from because the mom is a different generation. Mm. In the mom's world, women did not probably did not work as much or as long as Katrine, but the mom is having a challenge accepting that this is a new generation of people and that women can have very strong careers and demanding careers. I think she was trying to just point out that um, Katrine has to refocus and recenter her energies, but the mom is not realizing when you have a real job, a demanding job, it's impossible to do that. And that Katrina is just asking for a bit of cooperation. Yeah. Um, she's not, she's not working in nine to five, like no regular office hours kind of thing, you know? No. And the, the mom is commenting about, you know, the money and, and that, you know, about the benefits like health benefits and all that. I mean, I guess that's something every mom or parent worries about, like, will my of child course. have enough money? And so I like the drama between her and her mom, because like I said, we didn't see the mom before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe the mom is feeling burned out that this is not her kid, but she seems to spending overwhelming amount of time taking care of the kid. Right. Which yeah. I don't think it's fair to put on the mom either, because this is no. Katrine's kid, not the mom's kid. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. yeah, I thought those scenes were were good to see um, a different side of Katrine. Right. And actually, listeners, Amy and I were talking about um Yes. Oh, here comes your cat. Hello. Yeah, my cat's visiting. I I picked her up so she won't howl at the mic, but she I might see, anyway. I see. So uh, listeners, Amy and I were discussing about uh, developing a bonus episode where we're going to talk about uh, profile Katrine and uh, Brigitte in this mm -hmm. uh, season three. So we will expand more on Katrine in, the, in that episode, uh, which is coming yes. up. Um, and her so relationships with all of these people. So what do Regita, you think about Casper oh. and Gustav and her mom? <laughs> That's right. And the the dynamic of all of them, because they're all interconnected. So yep. how about Jeremy? Well, what do you think about Jeremy? I want one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think I, I kind of, I, I quite like his character actually from what we see in the beginning, mm -hmm. he respects her. He respects her professionalism he understands that she's the former prime minister. Yes. Maybe their relationship isn't public yet. I'm not sure if the kids are aware of it um, in this episode. I think in the next one, they become aware of it. They do. Um, yeah. 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 And um, I think if he, you know, he's an architect that she's met through working with this pharmaceutical company to build buildings in Hong Kong. That's kind of cool. Like mm -hmm. he's obviously going to be, um, you know, independent and have his own views on things. Um, but it's nice to see her kind of happy and like with somebody else. In the earlier seasons, we see Philip with somebody else, um, like Cecile, the pediatrician, who was mm -hmm. a great character. Mm -hmm. um, and if it hadn't been so difficult to be married to the prime minister, mm -hmm. or exes with the prime minister, I should say, then their relationship might have panned out better. Um if things hadn't, you know, like Laura's issues and all the stresses that they'd gone through as a couple, that might have worked out better. But it's nice to see Brigitte kind of with somebody who makes her happy and relaxed, yeah. even if it's long distance and like, you know, not ideal, ideal. At least there's somebody around, you know. I think I think it's great a great setup. And in your episode, you were talking about how they <clears throat> went out for dinner, and he was starting to ask her about politics. And 
she says something of um, don't don't play politics with me or something. I forgot what exactly she said. Yeah. But she's yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, sort of asserting herself as a strong woman. And he he's not threatened by that. He's like, OK, you don't want to talk about politics. That's no problem. We'll talk about something else. And I feel that he he likes her for her. Like he doesn't. Yes. He, he seems to spend want to spend his free time with her. He doesn't want to possess her. He yeah. doesn't want to control her. And like, yeah. he doesn't speak Danish. He doesn't, he's not from Denmark. He doesn't realize, you know, maybe how well known she is as a public figure in her own country. Yes. Um, the pressure of her dating somebody else from Denmark would maybe be a little bit too paparazzi hounded, you know, like it might stir up some questions and like, you know, people would be bothering her about it. But like, because he's an outsider, maybe it's not that bad. And I actually think know? I believe I saw way back in the day an interview where some of the people behind the scenes that put Borgen together actually said that they couldn't make her date someone in the country for what you just said about who's going to date the pro- like how does you go yeah. about meeting a guy if you're the xpm right yeah exactly like and what are you going to put up a profile on tinder like come exactly. on <laughs> exactly or bumble or because no one would believe it right but yeah how do you meet people when you know you, you were such a famous person you you'd probably have a hard time meeting genuine people but i really like what you said too that because he's from another country, he may not understand how big and powerful and and radical she was in, in yeah. everything she did. And I like that because the relationship should not be built on, oh, you're popular, so I want to date you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It would be like, um, yeah, it would be like, yeah, meeting somebody like, for example, um, you know, at my school, because I'm teaching in a private school, occasionally, like kids' parents are like quite well known in the entertainment industry, like in movies or like TV directors or like kind of vaguely public figures, like a Turkish person who knows about pop culture here knows who they are. But like, I kind of don't because I don't really follow Turkish right. TV. Or lot. you didn't grow up in Turkey. So you yeah, didn't I didn't grow, grow up yeah. seeing these people. Oh, they come out with albums, they do this, they do that. I mean, he knows who she yeah. is, but he doesn't, because he's not Danish, he doesn't know the nuances of what, how she was treated in the news for the past couple of years. And I think it's great not to know that because it yeah, doesn't exactly. matter. It doesn't yeah, matter. Like, once many years ago in the nineties, um, Winona Ryder filmed Little Women in my hometown. Remember Winona Ryder's version of Little Women? Mm-hmm. And I was with a friend of mine and we passed her on the street and she was with Dave Perner, the singer from Soul Asylum. Mm-hmm. And I saw both of them and I walked right past her to the point where our shoulders brushed. And I was like, oh, sorry. And she's like, that's OK. And she was wearing a far side T-shirt with bugs on it. Know your insects. And they had names like Bob, Jim, Carol under them. OK, as the far side, you know, cartoon. And I just kept walking. And my friend was like, oh, my God. Do you know who that was? And I was like, I- I've seen her before. I think maybe she's in one of my classes at the university. Like she looked kind of <laughs> familiar. Like, and Winona Ryder's quite short. Like she's shorter than I am, and I am not tall. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's tiny and um and super cute. And 
I just totally thought she was, because she's a, around my age. I figured she was like around the uni. And my friend goes, that was my owner writer and Dave Perner. And I was like, oh, it was too. And it took me a second, but like, I didn't even realize like that I was brushing shoulders with this movie star, you know, it was really cool. It was really cool. And I didn't see her again, but I felt, I almost like a little tiny part of me when I walked by, it was almost like, I almost said cool t-shirt. I almost said like, have I seen you before? Like, do we know each other? Did I meet you at a party or something? Like it was that kind of familiarity, but out of context, it is very difficult to recognize famous people actually. Yeah. And, but yeah, it was so, it was just so funny. And my friend was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad I didn't say like cool t-shirt or whatever. Or do but I it know was, you? Yeah. Or like, do it. Like, have we met before? And she would have been like, no. And I would have been like, yeah, okay. You know, well, nice I to meet you anyway. I would a writer. I would be, I would think that that's great that there's someone that doesn't know me because I don't want to be yeah. 24 seven. Yeah, exactly. Like it I, be I always nice. have to, to act or, you know, I just want to be me with flaws and all like, I'm yeah, a person, just a, a person yeah, on the street. On and not, you know, dressed properly. I don't care. Like, anyways, yeah. bringing it back to Borgen, Hesselbo's comment <laughs> about uh, the young Danish, about the immigrants and how he's got to basically um, show a public sense of justice. We have a lot of problems with our young immigrants. I don't like that comment because it was awful. And it, it it makes no sense because what he's trying to imply is that young Danish citizens are perfect and they have never committed a crime. Yeah. So yeah. Statement comes across as absolutely problematic. Racist. And xenophobic. Exactly. And I just thought it's it was just race. Awful. I mean, let's call it what it is. It's a racist comment to say yeah. like those people from those other places cause problems, but our people don't is mm -hmm. just racism. Yeah. Because if you, I'm sure, I mean, I have not done this. I haven't done any research about it. But if you look at Danish crime statistics, I am sure that Danish citizens are represented in misdemeanor crime statistics. Absolutely. I don't even need to look. Absolutely. Like, by sheer number, right? Yes. By sheer percentage of, of the population is Danish. By, you know, reality as well. Like, that's just the way the world is. Yeah. And um, I, 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 yeah, I, you know, we've seen we've seen problems in Toronto with like police stopping kids of color and asking them like I not just kids, carding. adults as well, carding yeah. them, like asking people for their IDs unnecessarily just for being somewhere doing nothing suspicious at all. We know that this kind of harassment exists. Yeah, this racial and it's profiling. Yeah, yeah, racial profiling is completely inappropriate, and for you know. It's just it's just something that makes me my my blood boil personally. I despise that kind of attitude, and it's just so categorically false. Yes, it's, it's for example, like when in America, you know, people talk about like Mexican immigrants taking everybody's jobs and like all being drug dealers and criminals and stuff. As soon as I hear a statement that says X people, mm -hmm. X immigrants, X group does this, I know it's false. And I know it's just bigotry. Yeah. Because statistically, probably it's equally distributed. Criminals are probably equally distributed throughout the population. Probably. I don't know for sure. I'm not a sociologist. I don't study this. But logically, if you think about anything like that for like more than 0.5 of a second, which is how long most bigots probably think about things, then you will come to realize that that's just not true. 
X group is never solely responsible for Y crime. Exactly. That just is not how the world works. Exactly. It's, it's so infuriating. But I'll tell yeah. you a, a funny, a funny moment when I was preparing for this recording, I was, you know, making my notes and stuff. And I was, I actually had a moment where I thought, wow, what Brigitte is doing is actually very radical to start her own party. It's totally radical. Um, because, because um, it would be like watching Justin Trudeau after he gets out as PM and his term is done, him starting a brand new party, like. I could I couldn't even yeah. think of that happening in this country, you know? Like that's that's very radical. Yeah. When's the last time we had a new party begin? Like when the Greens started? And that's not even a really new concept. Like the Green Party is kind of a European party concept. So it's not like creating a brand new from scratch party either. You know? Yeah. I would love to see a new political party in Canada, actually. Anyone got any ideas about that? No, I don't. Um, don't ask I, me, Amy. I don't have time to start that. I'm busy with this podcast. I also yeah, <laughs> I have other things to do. I work. I I work. I'm not on... even technically a resident anymore of Canada. I'd have to move back and establish residency again. <laughs> but I am a citizen, so I do have rights. <laughs> yeah. So, in the introduction of this Yule and Free show, I was thinking to myself that I really like it because we're getting a voice of, you know. Torben as a media person, but also Casper now as a citizen because he's not spin, he's not involved in politics as we know of. He, it's yeah, never really talked commenting. about what his job is. Actually, he's just like a regular guy in the in the city now, right? Yep. So, from an audience point of view, I think it's great to have their commentary so that we can understand uh, the audience can understand what is going on as well. Um, and just another comment here about Bent and Brigitta. So. We love oh, yes. Bent, as we have established ah, of lots course, of times, and it always makes me so sad when they're fighting because I feel, oh yeah, I feel it's personal. Like I feel like a personal. <laughs> I know it's like life is fighting, and it upsets me, right, to see them yeah. <laughs> eye to eye. Um, but again, we talk about the age thing with Katrine's mom. Maybe for Bent, he's got this, you know, even though he's wonderful, but he's got this staunch way of thinking that he's been a moderate member for forty years. Um, yes. And maybe he's his eyes are not as open to the turn that their party has taken under Cruz, right? Yes. And he cares about Brigitte and he wants to include her as a moderate to work together. Um, but yeah. Bent cannot really acknowledge yet that Cruz has changed things too much. Yes, and that like the moderates that Bent, the, the, the history, the traditions of the moderate party that Bent is a part of no longer really exist. And yes. I mean, he does describe Brigitte as the greatest state statesman, you know, like one of the greatest statements, statesmen, states people of the country, right? One of the greatest politicians in Danish politics of the recent, you know, times. So I knew he would come around. I knew he would come around in the end and that he would stop being mad and and come around and ask to join her. Yes. But, and, uh, it, and that must my... have taken a lot. It must have taken a lot. And that's my closing comment here before I, you know, we wrap up these conversations probably, but, you know, why has he changed is what I asked. And I, I put, well, maybe because he's, he's kind of smartened up and it took it and he took her words seriously um, at this yeah. latest press conference about how the moderates have really gone off the rails and made him kind of like with Eric Hoffman, right. Kind of reflect on what are you working towards? Yeah. What, what are what the, going what's on the right purpose? Now? Yeah. Are you there to promote 
an institution, like Brigitte said, the institution or the ideology behind the institution? What is it you're actually trying to promote? The policy and the the outcome of that policy for the citizenry or just the party label, the brand, you know? And if if the policy and ideology isn't behind the label anymore, what's the point of supporting the label? The purpose is gone. You lose a sense of purpose if you compromise your ideas too much. Yes. And, and I, I think that's, that's what was behind Brigitte's change for sure, for sure. And Eric's. And, and Eric's. And Eric's. And I have to say, I feel especially with Eric, um, it is it is so hard to make that change, right? Like yeah. it must have been hard for him to be in that party in the first place. I mean, he he has an interracial marriage. Yeah. Right. But to to really get the guts to acknowledge now that things were not the same as there were 27, 30 years ago and make yeah. a move. Yeah. It's and realize that the the laws he signed off on could affect his son. You know, yes. at the very and, least, like his son's a Danish citizen. Okay. Yeah. Not necessarily, I'm assuming he was born in Denmark, right? But uh and not not necessarily the uh, the subject of deportation should he be charged with a misdemeanor but more likely to be charged with a misdemeanor just because of the way he looks the color of his skin and as we talked yeah. about carding i mean a person could go up to him faster than they would a white skinned person obviously right? that's yeah. the reality and erickson knows yep. eric knows that yep ask yeah. any person of color in america i have a friend who's African-American in Florida, who is constantly concerned about that. It's like a serious consideration when yeah. going out in public. Like, But I think that's, what could that's happen. also something that non-Black people don't realize that when you yeah. raise Black children, it's not about, okay, be safe at school today, only cross the road on a, on a green light, um, you know, walk, walk with your friends, safety in numbers. But you also have to teach them, do not wear a hoodie. Do not yeah. put your hands in your pocket. Do not. And, and I think a lot of people who are not black may not even realize that. Yeah. The kind of targeting that people face. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And they're not doing anything. They're just walking down the street, just like, just like a white person is. Yeah, right? exactly. So because of the color of their skin, all eyes are on them, which is, which is horrible. So yeah, it's similar to men and women walking somewhere at night. Women, yeah, all the women right. I talk to who walk alone somewhere at night across the parking lot from the bus stop or the train station to their house. If it's a quiet street and there's nobody around, you're on the defensive automatically. Absolutely. If somebody's behind and you, I you don't cross think, the street. I don't think men understand that. And some men, nope. hashtag not all men. Not all men. Um, yeah. And we talked about this in some previous uh, episodes in season two, where we both said that we are both on the alert. I'm on oh, yeah. the alert. When I get off the at night, when I get off the bus, you know, Amy, you you've been here many times. Yep. You gotta walk it's my neighborhood, my old neighborhood. <laughs> the main street. You gotta walk in a couple side streets to get to my place. And it's not a main street anymore. So I do look at even though I don't hear any noises, I always look over my shoulder because I oh, don't constantly. Yeah. I don't want uh, you know, any problems and stuff, you know? Yeah. And I and I live in a very large city, it's a metropolis. The official population is like 15 million people. The unofficial population here is probably more closer to 20 million people um, with like speaking of people talking about the effects of immigration and refugees and everything. We have 
I hear those kinds of conversations here, um, sometimes in Turkey about like, you know, Syrian refugees or Iranians or different ethnic groups who live in Turkey. There's a lot of uh, opposition and discourse, a discord between different ethnic groups here. And it's something that I never really noticed before, but it, it's definitely, I mean, before I came here, I didn't know about this factor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew that I knew there were different ethnic groups in Turkey, of course, um, but I didn't realize the extent to which, you know, people kind of hold these different prejudices and it, it can be really problematic and cause a lot of issues here. And yeah. um, it's kind of heartbreaking, actually, you know, and especially as a teacher, when you hear young people kind of uh, repeating things that they've heard elsewhere, it's it's really kind of tricky and saddening. Um, but it's not just happening here either. I think it's happening all, in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I mean, think so we will too. see. I think so, too. The future holds. Yeah. So, Amy, is there anything else you want to say about this episode before we we. Uh, Maybe grab a little bite to eat and then come back and record three episode yeah. three and four. Well, I think uh, off off uh, off mics we should ha enter into a dialogue about our uh, plans for the next little while and uh, enter the have a have a creativity meeting about our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're 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 uh, taking the piss out of Alex and totally and taking the piss corporate. Uh, speech huh uh, yes <laughs> well we're not very corporate acting we're very friendly and open yeah and respect each other so i think that's a good note to close it on definitely and we will as we said we'll be recording a bonus episode about brigitte and katrine soon we have another bonus episode planned about profiling the men of borgen and other yes things we've been planning that for a while but we were waiting for season three for jeremy to show up Yes. So we want yeah. to have some more screen time with Jeremy before we profile him. So we see yes. more of him. Um, all right. So I guess I'll take us out. We'd like to thank our listeners for joining us on this episode. You can check us out on our website, The Borgen Podcast, where all of our podcast episodes are archived and you can learn more about us and the show. We'd like to thank our good friend Garth Jensen for providing us our intro and outro music. Thank you very much, Garth. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and check us out on all social media platforms. We are there and we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to connect with us and share what's on your mind by using the hashtag The Borgen Podcast or by sending us an email or voice memo at theborgenpodcast at gmail.com. 